Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, Armorall, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every 20 you spend on Armorall products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at armorall.com. Armorall, less work, more clean. Terms apply. I find it disconcerting. There will be an appropriate time and a place to review policy. What does this rapporteur even do? The liberals and conservatives want to play a political game and score points. I think it's pretty self-explanatory. You're actually sharing half of the story. Lies, 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 yeah. Ten thirty-four here on this Thursday. Things not to do on commercial is uh, eat a candy cane because it gets stuck in your teeth and then you start to slur and you can't talk properly. But nonetheless, I am going to talk to Tom Korski over at Blacklocks Reporter because this will be Mr. Tom Korski the last conversation that we have this year. What a year it's been! Oh my God, I'm like, what would be the like? It was an insane. It's been an insane news year. Insane. You know, I was thinking when you mentioned that, historians talk about big events make big people. And I agree with you. Mm-hmm. There, there, there were some big events that happened this year. Mm-hmm. You can list them. Oh, yeah. I don't know who the big people were. Yeah. It wasn't the Minister of Foreign Affairs. It was, <laughs> oh, you know, the guy who runs the teleprompter in the Prime Minister's office. It's not the Minister of Finance. Mm-hmm. You know, is it Attorney General Verani? Who's the big person who stepped up? I, that part. We didn't see this year, but events, uh, you know what it was, Alex? I think it was post-pandemic, and everyone was told by cabinet, we were led to believe this, we didn't make it up, we were told by cabinet, we're going to be building back better. <laughs> yeah. Ex- exactly. Remember exactly. when, after the pandemic lockdowns, it was like this narrative, and I, I was like, what are they talking about? That we were in roaring 20s, it was like, after Prohibition, everyone's going to party in the streets, festivals, it's going to be so... So fun. And I'm like, when's the fun start? <laughs> we went into like interest rates. It's been big. We'll go through that a little bit later. I know that you guys have, you have a bunch of stuff, right? Bunch of stuff. I love this one. I think it speaks volumes, right? The private sector has raised Canadians' expectations faster and they want better service. So because of the private sector, the <laughs> Department of Employment um, says, look, the private sector does stuff too quickly. We can't keep up with them. We, we've been struggling to get these backlogs cleaned up, but it's just we can't do it. So they, they, they spent how much? $75 million back in 2016 to speed things up, and they still can't do it? And, and it's all the private sector's fault for raising people's expectations that when you order the 99-cent sandwich and go through the drive through you're going to get the sandwich. You know, Canada Pension Plan, the Department of Employment is the one that runs the Canada Pension Program. They take the applications, they pay out the checks. They also run old age security. By their estimate, last year, the backlog on Canada Pension Plan old age security claims alone, a million applications backlogged. Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter how many people they hire, anyone who went, ordered a passport in the heyday mm-hmm. a year ago last summer recalls. How can you wait in line seven hours to have your papers stamped? It's like post-war Berlin. How is that even possible? But you know the fault is, the, the, the conclusion they've come to, and this, <laughs> I love these guys, 
the conclusion the public service management comes to is, well, the private sector, they have all these fancy machines. If only <laughs> we could get the fancy machines. You say, yeah, that's it. Yeah, that's how it works. It's called- I worked in the private sector since I was 16. They're not a master race, right? They're I, not geniuses. Yeah, it's it's not like I have like ultra sophisticated equipment here. I just work really hard. And, and if I don't work hard, Tom, they just get rid of us. That's the payoff. Ah. Isn't that what happens? If you don't get results, you lose the job. Oh, that's the part they missed. Mm-hmm. Environment Minister Stephen Guimau, um making a lot of headlines these days. But your headline, I think, is interesting because uh, he's using misleading data and inaccurate generalizations in defending this whole electric car mandate. And the, his own department, and I'll let you set the story up, but his own department acknowledges that they're going to ban these cars in 2035. But what they didn't do is allow the reporters during the technical briefing yesterday to get like actual um, the report to see what was going on. Shame on Gibo. He knew what he was doing. This is called misinformation. This is disinformation. He's lying. Let, let's just be frank. <laughs> so he has this electric car mandate. Is he going to ban the sale of inexpensive, efficient, they've never been more efficient, gas and diesel-powered cars by 2035? And he said, uh, quote, unquote, this is going to help Canadians with their cost of living. I'm telling you, the minute you drive that Tesla off the lot, it's a waterfall of savings. Mm. And it's a bunch of baloney. Mm-hmm. The entire program rests on baloney and subsidies. Analysts in his own department, by the way, they have to write this into a legal notice. They don't do this out of the goodness of their heart. They have to disclose this as a statutory requirement. It is a fact. By Gibo's own department's estimate, that an, the electric car will result in net costs, obviously, and that includes data they don't even have. Mm-hmm. What happens to you electrical rates when utilities have 27 million drivers plugging in their cars every night? What happens to your insurance premiums when you have electrics that are heavier because of the battery and therefore result in more damage in a car accident on the roads? It's a weight ratio. What, what happens to people who cannot afford and not buy a used electric because they aren't available. Kibo's own department says the net cost is billions. Yeah. Oh, and he, he knew that. That man knew that, which is why he had his big announcement on Tuesday, the day before the regulations were published. Right. But, but this is a pattern where we get the announcement, they take the headlines, and then we see the policy come and it's a disaster. Right. It, it's just like they take the headlines and then no one follows up and they don't get the accountability. That's the whole climate yeah. program, Alex. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, I, in Gibo's defense, he's a big city boy and he used to be with Greenpeace. I don't think he's ever bought a car. He doesn't understand that anyone who buys a car is like a mathematician. Like they, they can tell you what parking downtown costs to the penny. They know exactly how much a, a half tank gasoline costs. Mm-hmm. They, they know what they pay in premiums. So Gibo talks about these slogans, Alex, they're in year nine of the climate program. They, they're not getting off slogans. They're not showing results, but they won't stop. I don't know why. Well, because people buy it. Like, they just well, buy it. It's like a cult. It's like well, people just buy it. It's like, oh, it's like eight years in, it's like, well, why don't we have any houses? And now I got Sean, Sean Fraser, the immigration guy who lost count of like a cajillion immigrants. You know, now he's out shilling for houses and like, we well, speak so well. And I'm like, okay, but 
Is he going to build houses? He let all these people in. Why don't you challenge him on the immigration numbers that are an absolute gong show? Eh, but he speaks well. That's all the requirement is, Tom. If you speak well in Ottawa, you are fit to be leader. Yeah, well, chickens come home, though, and, and that's happening now. And I agree with you on, on the housing portfolio. They tell you that it's their number one worry now. Of course well, it will. They had to be d- drawn to that. And and yet, we, you and I have discussed, based on their own arithmetic, we're not making this up. This is not a vast right-wing conspiracy. By their numbers, there is zero chance of them reaching their housing target. And I mean zero. Ever. Yeah. And, and yeah. It's um, it's befuddling. I have to ask you about these Senate appointments. They're so independent, right? Like, it's crazy. Um, end of year, we've got a, a, an upper chamber. This, I think, was the, one of the biggest mistakes Harper made, is not uh, filling positions in, in Senate, because we can call them independent. And for whatever reason, Tom, people in Ottawa play the game and go, yeah, they're independent, all right. And <laughs> they're anything but, but we've got a whole group of new ones, including um, – Someone who just happened to coincidentally give thirty-two grand to the Liberal Party. I mean, I'm just yeah, Tony, he doesn't have thirty-two Tony grand. Tony yeah. Barone, Toronto developer, longtime friend of the party, longtime contributor. Him and his company, as you mentioned, gave tens of thousands to the party. He worked hard on uh, Trudeau's Liberal leadership campaign ten years ago. I love it. Canadian press identified him as a philanthropist. <laughs> <laughs> oh, for, well, for that's campaign they, contributions. That's, that's a new one. All right. Wow. That's <laughs> is that what we call charity today? Okay. <laughs> I, I got to tell you, I was personally thrilled with the appointment because the fake Senate reform stuff was starting to get on my nerves. Yeah. And you're exactly right. He they've stacked the Senate with uh, Liberal appointees. There's uh, now 67 out of 105 seats are Trudeau appointees, and they call themselves independent. I can point to you, uh, quote-unquote, air quotes, independent senators who have a 100% liberal voting record. My favorite was Senator Omendvar from Ontario, who once mused in Senate debate about uh, what under what circumstances would I not vote for a liberal bill? She <laughs> said, maybe legalizing torture. That is my line in the Senate. Yeah. <laughs> Everything else goes. And so now we can stop pretending. Now they're back to appointing bag men. Of course, Prime Minister Trudeau had promised uh, he was shocked, shocked by Senate patronage. And now we mm-hmm. now we can just see what we are. Yeah. Well, stay tuned. Uh, stay tuned. Um, so it's been a very busy year. No question about it. Oh, wait, hold on. Before I go on. Oh, should we, we expect a, a, a contract from COVID for Tony? Did he get anything? Tony, you know. Did Tony get a contract? On the, on the contract. But, you know, the Senate is now is, is become a, a pleasant part-time job. Yeah. It's not really seen as full-time work, right? So you would have ample time to really bid for works. We yeah. know there have been senators, for instance, uh, this is who had retainers from federal contractors. I know of one senator who kept an office at Scotiabank downtown Toronto. Mm-hmm. Well, he was a senator. So it's cost seen as, effective. You know, cost, conflicts of interest are, are, that's for the House of Commons. Yeah. The Senate is separate. Yeah, no question. It's, it, it, it's, it's got to be taken out like old Yeller. Find a barn. Um, so when you look back to this, to this year, there's so many, I think, consequential stories. And I think a lot of them flew under the radar. I think if there had been less in the news um, you know, because there's been so, such huge geopolitical events, maybe maybe Trudeau would have been held to account more. I mean, we started the year off on Chinese interference, right? Like it was all China all the time, and now it's like pff, that's nothing. Now we're in a a war no, with Israel, oh, Hamas. No. Hamas no, is endorsing Canada and thanking us. Like, thank you. The I mean, it's like, 
I don't know which which issue is the big um, is a big one for you. Next year, China, the, the inquiry gets underway in January. It is going to be devastating. Now, I, I'm not say, so sure just because even the format uh, oh, they've given oh, no. the format. Alex, like, OK. They there's two reports. One is due by the first of March. That will ask the question, was there interference? Well, we already know because of global and other media and parliamentary hearings, we already know what happened. We know, of course, there was interference by foreign agents and a targeted opposition candidates and cabinet pretended it didn't happen. The second question, and this is the report due by the a year from today, the second question asks, what do we, what's the official version on China interference? Well, you ask Bill Blair, Minister of Public Safety, or all the Prime Minister's Senate uh, security advisors, and they say, well, I didn't get the email. It, it went to the wrong office. I was keenly interested, but I was holidaying. There will be a determination in the second report due a year from now. Did Cabinet know? that Chinese agents were going after conservatives and you Democrats and putting the boots to them and committing election fraud. And if they knew, why didn't they do anything? Alex, that's crucial. And I think that's a widow maker. I think it's huge. Well, it should be. But um, as you've seen, um, the judge appointed by Trudeau it, it has not given conservatives any standing. So they, the, the NDP and conservatives are, are, are hand-tied from asking any questions, right? So when liberal MPs or cabinet ministers or, I don't know, senators that are very cozy with China get on the stand, it's whatever they say. That's the record. You can't get any, any kind of cross-examination. I have, I have a problem with that. Sure, but they can, they can subpoena documents and will. And this is what happened in the Freedom Convoy. I know people were, had criticism of the judgment and some of the testimony. We could care less. It was the documents. Mm. That's where you saw Attorney General Lametti muse about sending tanks yeah. against the Freedom Convoy. That's where you saw the police absolutely contradicting everything Public Safety Minister Mendicino yeah. said. Yeah. By the way, there's two guys who lost their jobs this year. Oh, it took it a lot. It took a lot. It took a lot. I mean, it took transferring Paul Bernardo secretly. Like, it was, it took a lot. But I take your point. But then you had this whole situation with, um, you know, Iran, sorry, well, yeah, Iran, uh, Hamas, Israel, and this for foreign policy, you know, the Trudeau government's, I guess, taking the, the, the bet, Tom, that they can kind of pander to whichever votes they think are better for policy on this thing. I mean, it, when you get Hamas, you know, thanking Canada uh, for stepping up and being on their side, I, I think is so appalling, but that's where we are, are, where they're just whatever foreign policy they want to put out that will play well to votes is that's where we are. I think there's going to be a lot of fallout on this. Well, I agree with or you. There should be. The problem is the time is running short. There's no doubt. There's two wars going on in which millions of Canadians are keenly interested in the outcome, and they have differing opinions. Cabinet has been a little bit cagey on this. I agree. Cagey or incompetent? You said cagey, right? I'll say incompetent. Okay, go. Well, but but everyone thinks they're smart in this town, right? I'm still waiting to meet the guy in Ottawa who says (laughs) who knows his limitations. Everyone's a genius here, right? (laughs) If you accept there's going to be an election next year, and I think there will be, then the walls start closing in very quickly. Eventually, when you're in year nine. You just run out of rope, Alex. 
everyone, what you see is what you get. There's no magic left. And so, of course, when you have the, the prime minister that vote in the United Nations, when you're voting with your Iran against Israel and the United States, you have a problem. And they want people to forget. But if there's an election around the corner, there's no time to forget. And this is why governments fall. We will see. Um, we will see. I, uh, I'm not going to get to talk to you again. I'm not back here till June. No, January. June. I'm not back here till June. Uh, January 9th. But um, wishing you a very Merry Christmas, your family, and of course, Holly, your better half. Um, love our conversations. And I know, uh, Tom, that my listeners love having you on. They always kind of thank you. And they would say, Merry Christmas, Tom. Can you come to our house? Can you sit at our table? Can you argue politics with us? They'd love it. But Well, you should know, you should know I eat with my hands. <laughs> Alex, happy Christmas to you and your whole gang. I've enjoyed every minute. Thank you. Absolutely. We will talk again in the new year, and I cannot wait to see what you have. You bet. All right. Tom Korski, Black Locks reporter. If you do not have like a stocking stuffer, it is so worth it. They're subscription-based. They deliver everything, and it's uh, a nice thing you can put in your stocking. So that is Tom Korski wrapping things up with us here, 2023. On the other side of this, we will have a conversation about why is Hamas thanking Canada, what it means, how it's being received in Israel, and the UN vote today calling for another ceasefire, and how will Canada vote? We'll have that conversation next here on The Alex Pearson Show.